Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff and today Jero and Matt and I are going to be talking about some of the mountain bikes that we're currently reviewing and some of the bikes that we're going to be reviewing. So before we get started, I want to just talk briefly about how we pick the bikes that we end up reviewing, you know, how all that comes together and just ask you guys, what, what kind of bikes are you guys into right now? How are you finding bikes to review? I think it's definitely like looking at what what is out that's new right now doesn't have a lot of reviews what are people going to be into and also what do we what do we like to write because there's there's a lot out there that we can sort of pick what we enjoy mm-hmm. as long as it's something that you know readers are going to be into right yeah no e-bike reviews for us right now <laughs> yeah the, the readers, I mean, a lot of you are interested in them. A lot of our podcast listeners are interested in them as well. But yeah, it's still not the kind of thing where we feel like the majority of the audience is going to be interested in that. Yeah, it would be, it would quickly divide much of the people just like <laughs> anytime we talk about e-bikes already does. So, yep. Yeah, for sure. I also think about what bikes are going to work well on the trails I ride. There are a lot of really cool cross-country bikes that I'd love to test, but nearby i don't have a lot of trails where i could ride them so yeah i could ride them but it's they're just not the greatest testing grounds for cross-country bikes yeah that's that's certainly a factor so longer travel works better for you Jero. yeah definitely yeah 140 and up i would say is better for a lot of our stuff yeah i think for me recently i've been interested in testing a lot of hardtails and that all kind of started after testing the Richie Ultra. Uh, that was a hardtail that I really enjoyed riding. I didn't think I would enjoy it that much. And, you know, I put a big dropper post on it and yeah, just ended up finding that I could ride it on a lot more trails than I thought I could. Trails that I used to think I needed a full suspension for. And yeah, I found that hardtail worked just as well. And so I've been kind of interested in going back and trying a bunch of other hardtails and just having fun with that. And it's kind of a I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit different. And a lot of our readers are interested in hardtails because they tend to be less expensive than full suspension bikes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of readers that are always, always into the hardtail reviews and just the simplicity of a hardtail. Yeah. And I like that they're lighter weight and everything, but yeah. So let's also talk about how we get these bikes in for review. So just to be clear, like nobody gives us free bikes to review, like, you know, we send these bikes back after we're done reviewing them, but they are provided by the brands often. So they'll ship a bike to us and we'll get to test it for several weeks generally. And then at the end of the test, we send it back. And so for the most part, like we're looking for bikes that we're interested in, you know, like Matt and Jero said, you know, there are certain bikes that they're looking for certain types of bikes. And so we'll reach out to the brands and say, Hey, can we get this bike in for review? And then other times uh, there will be like, if there's a new bike, you know, the brands will approach us and say, Hey, there's this new bike coming out. Would you like to test it? And again, we make that same determination. Like, is this something we're interested in? Do we have the trails for it to test it? And then that's how we end up setting it up. 
So let's talk about some of the bikes we've ridden recently. And for these, all the reviews are already going to be online, I believe. These are reviews we've posted with photos and you know much more detail. But first one I wanted to talk about is a bike you tested recently, Jero, the GT Force. Tell us a little bit about that bike and what you thought of it. Yeah, the Force is a sweet bike. It kind of rides a line between a trail bike and a longer travel like all mountain enduro bike mm-hmm. it's a it's a decent climbing bike it's not super light at least the build that i had <laughs> i don't i don't actually know what it weighed but it was didn't feel any lighter than my 29er that's quite a bit more bike mm-hmm. the spec was really nice i would say you know for most general trail riding the suspension worked pretty well I know that GT has changed a few things about the suspension and improved it since the model that I rode. It's a horse link on there? It is, yeah. And they they changed out uh, something in the rear shock. I'm um, not sure if it was the shim stack or exactly what they did to kind of stiffen it up a little bit and give it a little different ride character. But yeah, it, it was a, it's a great trail bike. I think it's a, it's a good option for kind of almost any kind of just fun general mountain biking. And you had that shock change during your testing, right? Like they changed out the shock tune in the middle of your test. No, they didn't. I didn't actually. I didn't actually get a chance to ride the new tune. So the new bikes are going to be a, a little bit better feel. It sounds like. Hmm. If I owned the bike personally, I would. I think I would. Uh, I would buy the model up with the Fox suspension. Comes with a thirty-six instead of a Pike. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what the shock is, but it's a little something a little beefier. Mm. And the one you tested is carbon, right? It's a carbon front triangle and alloy rear. So yeah, with the old tune, I just felt like I had to run the sag quite a bit. I had to run quite a bit more sag than I normally would. I would normally run twenty to twenty-five in the rear, and I had to run it more like thirty-five in order to get it to be able to use the majority of the travel even on like the roughest trails, like it would be super supple and spongy in the first bit of it. And then it would just, it just wouldn't go through. So it just seemed like it needed a different tune. Like there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with the bike, but it certainly suffered on the climbs a bit with that, that added sag. It didn't, didn't feel great. I mean, I honestly would put, if I owned the bike, I would put a coil on it. I think it's, it feels like a perfect setup for a coil to just be able to run smoothly through the travel and put a you know a fairly heavy spring on it, yeah. Because otherwise, it it feels like a really nice bike. It just uh, needed some adjustments in the rear end. Yeah. Well, when you were when you were testing it, you actually had some kind of unusual wheels on there as well, right? The oh, yeah. Spingle tri spoke carbon wheels. What do you think of those? They were wheels. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was a that was an they were an interesting experience because I put them on and they're a little narrower. They have a twenty five millimeter internal tire channel, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not super light. They were they're well over two thousand grams. I think they're like twenty four hundred grams, which was heavier than the stands wheel set that I took off the bike. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Yeah, and they just didn't. There was nothing about the feel of them that was notable, really. They just kind of felt like stiff carbon wheels. And yeah, I guess the main thing is supposed to be like less maintenance, more durable wheels than if you have a traditional like spoked wheel, right? 
Yeah, for sure. And they, they guarantee them. So if you do somehow knock them out of true or break one of the spokes, uh, you can send them back and get them replaced either. I don't fully understand if they replace them for free or if there's a crash replacement deal, but they definitely said they would stand behind them. So yeah. And they have a really distinct look. I mean, I feel like that's a big part of why somebody might buy those is they just, they really stand out. Yeah, absolutely. And now they're doing a bunch of different colors so you can get the whole wheel colored with whatever your colorway is of your bike. So I suppose that's kind of cool. Cool. Interesting. The wheel set that came with the bike actually was the the least impressive element of the bike, I would say. <laughs> like generally the bike is really cool and enjoyable, but the, the rear hub that it came with was just really garbage. <laughs> I mean, you could get more than a quarter of a pedal stroke if you been coasting for a while mm-hmm. before it would engage. Oh, wow. And yeah, so like anytime you have a lot of quick climbs in a descent or you're just riding more technical trails where you need more immediate engagement, it was super noticeable. It would definitely be probably the first thing I would change on the bike. Yeah. What was the price point on that? I think it was like dead on four grand. Okay. So it's just an OEM hub on a Stan's Flow wheel set. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I have no idea what the hub is. I asked and they didn't know. The folks at G- GT didn't know. So, Matt, one of the bikes you got to test recently, you did like a, I guess we would call it a short, like a test ride review was the Revel Rascal. And that's an interesting new bike that a lot of people wanted to know about. Tell us a little bit about the, the brand and also the bike. Maybe two months ago, it was like the brand basically debuted around the time of Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. But it was a group of people with a ton of experience in the bike industry. Adam Miller, who founded Y Cycles, kind of like the titanium hardtail brand, uh, and also Borealis, ended up joining with Jeremiah Starkey, who's a big time engineer at RockShox and uh, helped on the trust performance message linkage fork. It's a big suspension guy. And then Jason Shears, kind of like their carbon guy, was an original founder of Envy. But anyways, they they and a few other people have been developing this brand Revel. Basically, it's like Adam Miller rode a Canfield. I don't know how many people are familiar with Canfield Brothers, but they've been around a while um, and just haven't, haven't really been keeping up with a lot of the rest of the industry. So Adam Miller rode one of these Canfield bikes and was like, whoa, this is a really good suspension platform, Mm -hmm. uh, the Canfield balance formula. And was looking at buying a full suspension bike and was like, well, why don't I just take this, you know, license this suspension platform and start my own bike company. And so that was kind of the inspiration for it. Because Canfield doesn't, they don't do carbon at all, right? Like they were doing, is it steel? They do steel full suspension bikes? Maybe steel. I know they have aluminum. But yeah, either way, definitely heavier, full suspension, gravity type bikes. Not for the person who really wants to get out and pedal a lot. Right. So yeah, they licensed the CBF, kind of worked it into these new frame designs, and then they debuted in March. And so yeah, I took out the Revel Rascal, which is like their 29er, 130 mil travel trail bike. And it was great. Yeah, I had a, a great time on it. Did like a 15 mile ride on it. It's a beautiful bike. I mean, it looks great. And that, that price point, it, it's a boutique carbon brand. So it's it starts higher than a lot of other brands. So at five grand, you're getting, you know, I wouldn't say an entry-level build kit. It's all good stuff. It's a i9 wheel set, 
uh, I think it's DVO suspension, uh, SRAM Eagle, SRAM GX Eagle. So it's a solid entry level build kit, uh, but it is five grand. And so, I mean, I guess at that point, you're really just paying for the technology, the suspension platform, and a really nice looking carbon bike. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what'd you think about the ride? You tested it out in Moab, right? Yeah. My, my buddy and I ended up taking two of the rascals around like the bar trails. It was awesome. Yeah. It's that Canfield balance formula is definitely just a well thought out, very advanced feeling suspension platform to where, yeah, it almost feels dead or over damped because it's just like a really solid platform feel when you're pedaling it around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still really reactive to like bumps in the trail and actually climbing and getting traction and staying glued to the ground when you're making your way up technical trail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then down is just as great, like super solid, stable, just really, really good feeling suspension platform. Like one of the most notable suspension platforms I've ridden in a while. So one of the bikes that I tested recently did a similar sort of brief test ride on is the brand new Ibis Ripley. And this is the fourth generation of that bike. So the bike's been around for a while, but they're always improving it. And the newest one is really awesome. They really, in my opinion, they knocked it out of the park with this one. It's a trail bike with 130 millimeters of travel up front and 120 in the rear. And it's a 29er. The big, I mean, there's several big things about the updated frame. You know, they dropped more than half a pound off the frame weight. And a lot of that, the savings were from just, you know, making the design more efficient. It's really interesting that Ibis does a good bit of like production development in-house, like in California, where they they have carbon molds and, you know, carbon material. And they have like these CNC cutters where they can cut out the like shapes of the actual carbon fabric that they use. And so they do a lot of this development in-house where they figure out like, how do we manufacture this? And then they're able to send that know-how over to their factory and, you know, sort of like share notes with them, which I think we're seeing more brands doing that. I mean, Specialized uh, is well known for doing that. Just last year, we got to check out their factory and they were doing the same thing. But even for them, it was new. I mean, they had just spun up this like production test facility. Um, and so I think we're going to see more brands doing it because there is a lot that that the engineers can learn in-house about production and then they can pass that on to their manufacturing partners. So yeah, in addition to dropping all that weight, they also added these internal cable tunnels, uh, again, like Specialized did with the new Stump Jumper, which just makes it easier to like route internal cables. You know, you're not trying to like fish stuff through. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, they say, yeah, it's just real easy to stick a cable in. It pops out the other side right where you want it. Like a lot of other companies too, they're, they've managed to shorten the seat tube so that you can put longer dropper posts on, you know, basically all the sizes. I think for their smallest one, you can get like 125 millimeter travel dropper post and then all the way up to like 185 on their bigger ones. Uh, So that's, that's really welcome news for a lot of people. And then part of that change was they moved away from that double eccentric linkage that they had in the, you know, third version of the, of the Ripley, like the previous version and the internal, the double eccentric linkage was, 
it was kind of unusual. It placed two of these like pivot points linkages inside the seat tube. So they had these weird, like they drilled out these big round holes, like in the seat tube. And it made, made it really tough to like fit a dropper post, like a long dropper post in there. Cause obviously that linkage is taking up room. And so they like took the kink out of the seat post and basically moved the suspension design more in line with the Ripmo, which is also, you know, that's a fairly new bike and was really well received. The suspension platform on that works great. And so they're kind of moving that down the line into the Ripley. And then in terms of the other geo, you know, there's a slacker head tube angle by like a degree. I think they're around 66 degrees now. And then they also steepened the C-tube angle a good bit, like three degrees. And yeah, we're seeing that from a lot of companies, steeper C-tube angles, because it's going to make climbing easier. And the way that it makes climbing easier is it just gets more of your weight on a really slack bike. Like you're starting to your weight's starting to get back on the climbs. And so that makes the front end like too light. And you kind of, people say the suspension feels wandery uh, when that happens, when you just don't have enough weight on the front end. So anyway, yeah, they have a steeper seat tube angle. One of the steepest now of, of any of the trail bikes I looked at, I think it's like 76 degrees. That's really progressive geometry for a 120, 130 mil yeah. travel bike even. And I think we'll we'll definitely see others following with the seat tube angle getting that steep. I mean, I think yeah. yeah, they're now ahead of the game, you know, maybe they were behind and now they're they jumped ahead a little bit and we'll see everybody else kind of getting toward that number. And then the bikes are carbon only, like all of Ibis's bikes, I believe. I don't know that they do any aluminum. And the bikes are also one by compatible only. So the previous version you could do a two by drivetrain, but on this one, they're they're going all in on one by, and then the bikes are priced between four and nine thousand dollars for uh, complete builds, and I believe you can get the frame by itself for like just under three grand. So I got to ride the bike in Santa Cruz. We you know started out at the warehouse there, the Ibis headquarters, and rode some of the trails around University of California Santa Cruz, and the trails there, you know, they're there's some official like bike legal single track. And then there's some other like questionable single track that (laughs) has been built over the years. And yeah, I don't know the full status of it and maybe, yeah, hopefully I'm not blowing up somebody's spot. I don't think so. Everybody knows about these trails (laughs) and people ride them. Um, but, but the reason I say this, the reason I mentioned the trails is just, I think they're really cool and really fun to ride because there's some really challenging stuff there that, if someone were to build trails like that nowadays and officially, like they probably wouldn't be allowed to be built in this way, you know, they're, they're steep and, and narrow. And yeah, there's a lot of, there's yeah, some technical stuff, uh, just a really great variety. And so I really enjoyed testing the bike on those trails. You know, I found that the suspension was really progressive. I haven't tested, I never tested the previous version of the Ripley, so I can't really compare it, but it sounds like that was part of that design change with the suspension platform that they wanted a more progressive suspension. And it felt great to me for sure. Uh, you know, good small bump compliance, but then, you know, is definitely able to soak up whatever I could put in front of it. And then the long dropper was great for the steep stuff. Again, these 
some parts of these trails were really steep, steeper than I'm used to riding regularly. And so having that long dropper, being able to get really low on the bike was super helpful. Uh, the bike is, you know, it's really stable at speed. I mean, it seems like that's what this slack head tube angle, like these longer wheelbases, that's, that's what that's all about is like just being able to go a lot faster on these bikes. But what I've found is that what you lose with that on a lot of them is just maneuverability and like being able to slow things down and ride like really technical trails when you need to, or like really tight twisting trails. And, but I didn't find that with this bike. It really, really worked well, you know, even when you're not going fast, uh, but still going downhill. So oh, awesome. Yeah, the one of the things I think that contributes to that is the chainstays are shortened from the previous version. So, like the wheelbase got longer, but they shrunk the the chainstays, which I think it works really well, especially for a trail bike. So, as far as climbing, you know, it's a trail bike, and traditionally we would expect a trail bike to climb as well as it descends. You know, it's supposed to be a great all around bike. I feel like lately brands are like really concentrating on how well their bikes descend. Like they're just trying to make them better descenders at the expense of climbing, which like that's fine, but that's, that's kind of not what a trail bike is to me anyway. And so I was pleasantly surprised that the new Ripley, it climbs really well. A big part of that is the bike is just stupid light. I mean, I didn't get to weigh mine and of course it was the highest end build, but it was very, very lightweight. Probably I would guess around 27, 28 pounds. And still though, you know, the front end, it felt a little wandery to me. And part of that's like the wide bars, you know, these days you buy a bike, you're gonna get really wide bars. And also that slack head tube angle. I mean, it's 66 and they, they tried to compensate by having the steeper C tube, but it's still, that's what it is. Like your fork is out there, your wheel is out there and you're not going to get away from that. It wasn't so much that like I hated it. And it also was probably less so than other trail bikes that I've ridden. So I think, again, I think they did a good job on that. And overall, yeah, I would just say it was, it was a really balanced bike. I think they struck a good balance between climbing and descending, you know, maybe like if there was a bias, it is toward descending a little bit more, which I think a lot of people can appreciate. And then, yeah, I would just, I would love to own this bike and could see it being sort of the only bike that I would need because it is so well balanced. Really? That's awesome. How did you feel about the fit in terms of the reach and for your height? It was good. Yeah. It's hard to tell, you know, the ride that we did was fairly short. So yeah, I'm sure on a longer ride, you start to notice like fit problems, but yeah, it seemed to be a good fit for sure. Yeah. I rode the extra large and I'm six foot three, so it can be a challenge finding bikes that fit properly, but yeah, this one felt pretty natural. I mean, yeah, I was definitely white knuckling a lot of the <laughs> sections of the trail. And if you, if you go on single tracks and see the review, um, there's some photos that one of the people from Ibis took during the test ride. You can see photos of me and yeah, I'm definitely like mean mugging a lot of them. Cause I'm like, I don't want to crash. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really fun bike, a really new bike. Then yeah. One other bike, Jero, that you've been riding a lot. This is one of your personal bikes, right? It's the Ancelotti Scarab Evo 29. Did I say that right? Yeah. Pretty close. Ancelotti. Ancelotti. 
Ancelotti is a, is an Italian brand that they originally made motorcycles, uh, and actually before that, they were one of the first companies that designed suspension for Harley's when those motorcycles first came to Italy. They were mostly used in the military, and now they they make enduro and downhill bikes, mostly like big 160 millimeter enduro bikes. Their their downhill bikes are kind of trailing off. This bike, so they're all they're all handmade in Florence, and then they're kind of put together just north of me, hmm. up in the Alps, and uh, it's all a family business. The bikes are totally aluminum, and they make their own rear coil shock. So they Whoa. source all of the parts for the coil shock, um, or as many of them as they can from Italy, and build the shock actually uh, just north of me in this little town called Valperga. Hmm. And one of the things that initially got me interested in the bike, other than the fact that it just looks interesting, it's polished aluminum and looks pretty different. It looks a little bit like a pole, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, but different. They run... The folks that own the company run a pretty cool juniors team. Like, these kids are really well supported, and they're taken to all the races, and they have really, like, kind of top-notch gear, and they're just well taken care of. It's a great program, and... Uh, definitely caught my attention that way. The bike is super fun to ride. It's the first bike I've ridden like full time with a coil shock and it feels fantastic. It just feels like you have a flat tire all the time in the rear. Like there's <laughs> just there's just nothing back there, you know. It's great. It's 165 millimeters in the rear and 160 in the front and I currently have a a bit of a Franken fork. It's a 162 millimeter Fox 36 that a buddy put together for me Mm kind of to match the bike. It feels fantastic. It's a really fun bike. It's not light. I don't know what it weighs, but it's, it's, it's a big burly bike. You know, it's, it weighs what 160 millimeter aluminum 29 er should weigh, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it like it definitely takes some muscle to move it around kind of in contrast to a trail bike. Like you gotta, you gotta really lean into it and throw the bike around to get it where you want. Mm-hmm. But on rougher, fast tracks, downhill tracks, and enduro races, it's it's the right weapon for sure. It's a super fun bike when you just want to go super fast and fly through everything. Yeah, a little bit of weight's not bad on the right trail. Yeah, the right trail, the right bike, exactly. So, yeah, and my build right now is it's totally custom. I have some carbon wheels from Hi-Fi Components in Portland and some rotor cranks. Oh, I don't know. It's like a hodgepodge. The whole thing is, <laughs> it's all over the place, but, uh, yeah, it's a sweet bike. I forget. Have you posted like a full review of this on the site or I haven't. No, I just, I posted a review that was a shorter, like I went for a ride with the owner Tomazo and right. kind of talked about, I actually rode his personal bike and then I was like, I want this exact same bike, <laughs> but just five millimeters more reach. And he was like, sure, let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I haven't, I haven't reviewed my bike yet. Uh, I was kind of trying to decide on the geometry and everything before I do that. Cause the geometry is totally adjustable. Huh. You can adjust the linkage between, I think it's 64 and maybe like 66 and a half. It can get pretty steep hmm. and 64 is like, <laughs> it's like riding a couch. It's, it's a, <laughs> an interesting experience to have that slack of a head tube. And it's a super quick change that so you just flip the bike over on the trail and uh, make a quick adjustment. It takes less than five minutes. You can change the head tube angle however you want. Nice. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. One of the things I guess I should have mentioned when we were talking about how we review bikes, you know, one of the things that we try to avoid, and it, it probably sounds counterintuitive, but we try to not review bikes that we own because it's really hard to be unbiased about a bike that you own. You know, you, you ask anybody out of the trail, you know, you see somebody on a bike that looks cool or like you've been wondering about it. You're like, Oh, Hey man, how do you like that bike? And every time people are like, I love it. I love it. Cause I paid eight grand for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You never say that you don't like your own bike. So yeah, it can be hard to write an unbiased review when you've plunked down a bunch of cash for something, you know, you just want to like, you want to convince yourself that you love it. Totally. But Jero's yeah. a professional and if and when he decides to do a <laughs> review of this bike, I'm sure it will be. And, and, you know, I mean, you admit it's heavy and it's not, it's not the perfect bike. There's no such thing as the perfect bike. So. Yeah. But it's a fun one for sure. Yeah. It looks really cool. It does look unique. Somebody else commented when um, you put out that short review on it that it looked like an evil. And I can definitely see that just like, like an aluminum chrome evil. Hmm. Yeah. And a little bit like, I don't know. I think the pull shock style, which Ancelotti invented the pull shock that's used on most motocross bikes today. Mm-hmm. I think evil uses something similar. And I know that come Sol does on their downhill bikes or they did. I haven't looked at this year's bike, but I assume it's the same. Interesting. Yeah. So there, there are some similarities for sure. Cool. So those are the bikes that we've put in a decent amount of time on and, or we've already reviewed on the website. So let's talk about some bike reviews that are coming soon and starting with bikes that we're on right now, Matt, you got a salsa spearfish in for review recently, and you've managed to put a few rides in on it. What do you think of that bike? Yeah, right. Again, right. Sedona Mountain Bike Festival time. Salsa revamped a bunch of their lineup. The Spearfish, the Horse Thief, and I think the Rustler. And they're still using the split pivot, uh, David Eagle design. I think they've tuned it a little bit differently for their newer lineup. But really, it's, um, yeah, it's just updated geometry, updated colorways. The bikes look, I think they look really good. And so, yeah, I got this Spearfish in, and it's like, their progressive XC. I think Jeff, you were just talking about making bikes that are going to descend a lot better, like all around. And I think that was the whole point with this is to make a bike that is an XC bike still. Like it's a hundred and 120 mil fork on a hundred millimeters of rear travel. Mm-hmm. So travel wise, it's absolutely an XC bike, but the geometry slackened out a little bit. It's got a steeper seat tube angle. I think the head tube angle is like 68 or 67.8. So for a modern bike, I mean, it is still steeper than any other trail or a duro bike that we'd see right now. But I mean, if you're thinking like an XC bike where it's like traditionally like 69 or 70 degrees, 68 is pretty, pretty slack. And just with the rest of the geometry, they can shorter chain stays. Um, they can make it like a really fun and capable descender. Yeah. So yeah, I've been riding that a bunch lately and it's a blast so far it climbs well feels really efficient and then again it's it, like it wouldn't be the bike for every trail I, I took it on apex last week and you know it's not the most aggressive or stable going down really really rocky chunky stuff mm-hmm. on flow trails descending it, yeah it's an absolute blast like no problems jumping or whipping around turns it corners really well yeah that split pivot design is just it's really 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 nice around the corners yeah 
Cool. And Matt, do you do you think you're going to be racing that bike this year? Part of your test? I think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to race it this weekend, actually. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Right on. There's a cross-country race um, on Saturday. And, yeah, I think I'm going to hop in that and ride the Spearfish. I think it's going to be a blast. Like, that was, right, obviously a big focus for me this summer with BCBR. But, like, I, yeah, I want to have fun going downhill. And the Spearfish is, like, yeah, it seems like the bike for that. Like, it's not... It's easy to climb on. It's great to climb on, but yeah, still a ton of fun to actually go downhill on. Yeah. And did you say, do you know what the climbing looks like in the race this weekend? Um, it's not much. It, it's There's two laps um, around these trails just south of me. Uh, each one's about like 11 miles and I think like 1,000 or 1,100 feet of elevation. So yeah, I think it'll be like 2,200 feet of climbing. Yeah. It sounds like a great bike for it. Yeah. Like salsa doesn't really do racing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if people want a short travel bike that, I mean, it really, yeah, it feels like a all mountain bike for somebody that wants to go far, spend a lot of time on the bike, go up and downhill. Again, it's not like the best bike for really rough, rocky trails. It'll do it. It's just not going to, it's not going to fly through it on a, like a, a longer travel bike would. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Jero, one of the bikes that you just got in is the Orbea Rallon, or is it Rayon? That would be the Spanish pronunciation, right? Yeah, I think it's the Rayon, but I'm, I'm not sure either. <laughs> Good. Stick with it, the Rayon. Yeah, Rayon. Yeah, I've heard people pronounce it that way. So It's one of those bikes, so it has almost the same geometry as my personal bike, the Ancelotti. Oh. It's a size large with 435 millimeter chainstays, 65 degree head tube angle in the low setting. And I got the one they sent is like the top of the line, sweetest bike that they make or the, the sweetest build. So it's everything other than the Envy wheels came with some nice DT Swiss wheels. And I think it retails for like around 7,000 euros. Okay. Yeah. That's, so it's, that's up there. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. These the test bikes that we get, you know, unless we specifically request like a lower end build, a lot of times the ones we're going to be testing are the highest build because the companies, the brands want us to experience it like at the best, you know, level that you could possibly experience it, which yeah, that makes, you know, it makes every bike seem pretty awesome. So we kind of have to like look past that in some ways and know that most people aren't going to be able to afford that highest end build. For sure. Yeah. And part of this, I mean, part of the reason this bike is feeling so good so far, I've ridden it, I think 10, maybe 10 or 11 times now. Um, it's got a full XX one build. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's got cross country parts on it. This thing is light and fast. And for the size of the bike, it's 160 front and 150 in the rear. And it's like, I mean, it feels like a trail bike weight-wise. Even when you're riding it, like, even with its length and the travel, like, you can really throw it around and play with it. It's it's amazing. It's And it also has a coil, but it feels totally different from my personal bike. It feels a lot more, a lot stiffer and more, like, pogo-y. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way I can really describe it. It's So it's not, like, dead in the rear, basically, like a, a lot of coil shocks would be. It's a really good-feeling bike. And it looks really good. The one you got's purple, right? Uh, the thing is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can select the colors. I think there's like five different parts of the frame you can pick the color for, and they let me pick the color for the bike for some reason. 
And uh, so mine is like purple and dark blue all over. And then the rayon on the top tube is this super light pink that like stands out really bright. It's it's a sweet bike. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we've also got a number of bikes coming down the pipe in the next few months or, you know, at least getting us maybe through the summer. One of the ones that I got recently and haven't really shared, I don't think I've shared anything about on the site so far is the orange P7. It's a steel hardtail 29er. And basically I, I just have the frame. I got the frame. Um, I did get a headset for it, but that's it. Making this sort of a project bike that I'm going to be doing this spring and summer and posting about on the site, obviously. So we're going to be getting some really nice parts for this bike and building it up and then obviously riding it around a lot. The bike is designed around a 130 millimeter fork and the timing is good because Cane Creek just came out with their Helm Work Series fork that's 130 millimeters of travel. They had this fork before or, you know, a similar version, but it was always offered with much longer travel. So this will be cool to throw that new fork on there. Um, it's a big fork still, you know, 35 millimeter stanchions on it. So I'm really stoked to try that fork out on it. And I've also got a set of Reynolds TR309S wheels, which are carbon. They're like the more affordable carbon wheels from Reynolds, you know, still not cheap, but like almost half the cost of like their high end carbon wheels. So it should be fun to test those out. We, we haven't, we've done some carbon wheels from Reynolds, like their top of the line stuff. We've reviewed that in the past, but this will be my first time on their more affordable wheels. So that should be cool. And the wheels, you know, they're 30 millimeter internal rim width, which is good for testing. Like, you know, these wider tires. Now the frame fits up to 2.6 inch 29er tires. So I'm probably going to be testing some of those with it. And then for the drivetrain, looking at the box two 11 speed drivetrain and there actually there's like a newer version. Initially I thought I would get the, they, they call it like the wide drivetrain, but they also have one called the extra wide. That's got, uh, I believe who like a 50 tooth on the rear. So it goes like 11 to 50 on the cassette, which gives it pretty good range, you know, almost, almost Eagle range out of 11 speeds. So that'll be cool to build that up. Should be a really fun hardtail. Yeah. That thing sounds fantastic. Sounds like a really fun trail bike. Yeah. Especially with the 30 mil rims and then big tires on it. Yeah. It's going to handle a lot. Totally. Nice quiet party bike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. And you know, I, I haven't built up a lot of bikes and also, yeah, I'm usually not like all about like flashy looking bikes, you know, give me like a black bike and I'm fine. But this one, I do want to have some fun with it since it's like a custom build. And so the frame is this like bright blue with orange decals. And so, yeah, I'm going to be doing, trying to like color coordinate it a little bit with the parts that I put on there. So should be fun. Hopefully it'll, it'll look good. Nice. I'm curious to see how long that project takes. Those things always end up <laughs> right. Sometimes they end up shorter than you think. No, it's going to definitely be longer. Yeah. Oh, I just need a fork and wheels. And then you're like, oh, wait, nope. I also need a million other things. So, yeah, there's some brake brake adapter you always forget. Right. Yeah. But it's coming together. And, you know, I'll probably end up riding it with 
parts that I can just find, you know, to complete the build. And then I'll go back and put in some newer, nicer stuff. Matt, you mentioned the BC bike race, which you're going to be doing uh, this summer. What bike are you riding for that? Do you have a review bike in for BC bike race? It sounds like I'll be doing race on the Fazari Signal Peak. Yeah, and that's Fazari. They're based out of Utah, direct to consumer company. The Signal Peak is like their trail slash XC bike. So it's 120, 120. Yeah, and you know, I was talking to Tyler at Fazari, and he's like, "Yeah, that's like exactly what we made the bike for. Like, it's a mm. bike you can pedal all day, but then still throw down some rough stuff and come out alive on it." So <laughs> awesome! I believe they're piecing it together now. So hopefully, sometime in the next few weeks. But yeah, it should be a pretty sweet build, and the the whole process, like they're uh, kind of having me go through this process of ordering it like I was a consumer. And so like I had to do this big fit sheet, um, kind of tell them like, Hey, like, am I more of an aggressive rider or more of like a conservative cross country rider? And then they make all these decisions like cockpit decisions and suspension choices based on like the input you give them. And so they do this for like every, every consumer that orders a bike from them, they take them through this huge list. So it feels like a much more personally dialed in bike for you rather than it's like i want this one click order <laughs> yeah i think he was saying they talk to like every consumer over the phone oh wow yeah when they're ordering these bikes i feel like that's what they said yeah but it is it's definitely a more intensive buying process for that bike it's not just like i want the medium click order it's you know you're entering, you're entering your inseam length and arm length and torso length and all this um kind of a bespoke build I wonder if they try to like talk people out of stuff. You're like, oh, I want this huge fork. And they're like, no, nah, you put on here that you're not very aggressive. We're going to, you're going to have to stick with the 120. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. It'll be cool to see how that bike turns out. Are there any interesting parts on it or any like customizations that you did to the build? I, can't think. I know they're putting the new XTR on, which yeah, I went through and selected like the cassette range I wanted on it. Cause there's a couple options for that. And derailleur cage length and this and that but yeah either way it'll be good to actually have an xtr and uh check out and yeah whatnot because yeah those have been rolling out pretty slowly but um yeah other than that i think it's uh it'll be a pretty racy build yeah lightweight carbon stuff i'm not a big xc guy so any lightweight fast rolling stuff that i can use on it i will take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah any advantage you can get for a yeah. multi-day stage race is probably yeah. going to be good. If they want to slip a battery in there somewhere, that's fine too. <laughs> Word. Jero, you're getting a Cannondale Jekyll 29, is that right? I'm working on it. Yeah, I spoke with the folks at Cannondale a few days ago, and the, yeah, it sounds like they're in descending one. They want to get some reviews on those, and it seems like a cool new bike. Yeah, I've got a lot of riding in the Alps to do coming up this summer so those are kind of big it's that's tough man i know <laughs> it's really rough but somebody has to do it yeah you need a bike to do it on yeah and a long travel 29er is kind of a, a pretty fun way to do it so it's a lot of steep rough trails so this is a 150 front and rear setup with a 65 degree head tube angle it's full carbon bike and it's as far as i know it's like totally revamped for this new model like they they redid everything mm -hmm. yes yeah, so i'm stoked to check it out i don't know what what build they'll send or any of the details but uh 
but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. There'll be a first look article on it at some point. Yeah. Hopefully one with half decent hubs. So uh, <laughs> fingers <laughs> crossed. Happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Matt, you know, you're the bikes that you're reviewing currently or that you have in the works that you mentioned, these are like shorter travel bikes. Definitely. Like you said, not what you would normally pick, but you know, you're getting ready for this BC bike race. Are there any other bikes that you kind of have your eye on for, you know, once you get past the BC bike race? Yeah, definitely a lot of shorter travel stuff, which I am really enjoying. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the market leans so forward into enduro. Like it's still mm-hmm. definitely very necessary to cover the shorter travel stuff. But that said, yeah, after July, I want to get into some longer travel stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't mind checking out the Revel Rail. That's their enduro bike, the longer travel one. So I want to check out the Bronson from Santa Cruz because we haven't rode that yet. And then, yeah, maybe even like a downhill bike. Uh, Midsummer too before the parks close up would be would be fun. Maybe that new Cannondale downhill bike whenever that comes out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that could be cool. Yeah. So the one other bike that may be getting soon in for review is the Diamondback Sinker Carbon, and that's it's a hardtail, and it was officially announced just in February. So it's a new bike. They had an alloy version of the bike for a while, and then. The Carbon has actually been around for a while. I know I saw it last summer. Eric Porter was riding one around prototype, but it wasn't it wasn't even like a secret either. He's like, oh yeah, just take some pictures and post whatever you want about it. So the bike's been around. They've been working on it for a while, uh, but yeah, it's finally available now and it sounds like they have some samples for, uh, to send out to media folks. So I'm going to be hopefully getting one of those soon. It's a 140 millimeter fork on it. So it's getting up there. Looking at the bike, and whenever I hear like carbon hardtail, I think race bike or XC, you know, maybe light trail, but 140 millimeters, that's getting up there for a hardtail. But yeah, it comes with a Fox 34 fork, and it looks like the bike is by default, it's set up as a plus bike, which I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it's 27.5 plus, though it can be run as a 29er, which I think probably makes more sense. So we'll see, you know, maybe I can swap some wheels on it, put the Reynolds uh, 29er wheels, see how that works out on it. But yeah, it looks like it should be a fun bike. Yeah, on that note, their their new Mission Carbon looks really, really cool too. Like, yeah, that would be a fun one to check out. Yeah, we we haven't done a lot of Diamondback reviews, but it's definitely a brand that a lot of people are interested in. Yeah. Particularly because they seem to offer... A little bit more value maybe than some other brands and you can buy the bikes online and everything so yeah definitely interested to see what they're all about totally for sure i think there's also intrigue in the fact that so many of us had their steel hardtails back in the day so still stoked on the brand yeah and again you know i mentioned at the beginning that i'm kind of getting back into riding hardtails after not riding them for a long time but still one of the like things that I remember carbon hardtails used to ride really harshly and with all the like advancements in layup and design and stuff it sounds like designers now are able to tune a lot of that out like with the way that they lay it up and the way they orient the fibers and all that stuff so it'll be interesting to see if my sort of view of carbon hardtails changes you know if if that's been improved do you know if they're still making the alloy version of that Jeff Yes, sounds like they are. Again, because, yeah, Diamondback seems to be really focused on 
value and right. A lot of people, it's, it's their first bike. I mean, it's the first bike they can afford and, and the designs are the, and the builds are usually pretty good. I mean, they put the right parts on them. They're not the best parts, but you know, at least you get the right spec that you want to get out there and have fun. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, we covered a lot of different bikes here today. Um, and as you can see, yeah, we're constantly testing new bikes and trying new stuff out. And I'm sure there's a lot of other ones too, that we didn't get to mention here, uh, that we will end up testing at various trade shows and events and things coming up this year. So definitely stay tuned to single tracks for the latest and be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your podcast app. We publish a new show every Monday, if you hadn't figured that out already. So uh, be sure to look for those new shows every week and keep listening to the Single Tracks podcast. That's all we've got this week. Talk to you again next week. Peace. Peace.